Hey, my name is Tiffany Vaughn, and I'm on a mission to help regular people like me find their voice and then use it for lifting themselves and others up around them. I'm a small town mom to three kiddos with my hubby James, and man, have we been dealing with a lot. But isn't everyone? I lovingly call it our hard, beautiful journey, and I bet that yours is too. In season one, I tossed the bricks from my shoulders that were weighing me down. Bricks that represented shame, embarrassment, regret, loss, you name it, I was feeling it. I am now taking those bricks and building up a stronger foundation for myself and our family. I have created this safe space for me and you to open our hearts and our minds and to use our voices to help others know they are not alone in their struggles. Marriage and divorce, mental health, infertility, parenting, and some soul journey work are all topics we discuss here. But let's be real for a minute. Life can definitely be hard, but it can also be so dang beautiful, am I right? So pull up a cozy seat, grab your beverage of choice, and join me as I help others talk about their hard, beautiful journey. I know they will inspire you as much as they inspire me. So let's get started. Have you ever met someone and just knew that they were going to be a friend forever? That's how I feel about the guests that I have on today's episode, Tina McCafferty. I met Tina earlier this year when I was enrolled in a business course, and she was one of the people in my pod. And I am so grateful that she was in my pod and that we have become good friends. Tina is on the podcast today to talk about her hard, beautiful journey, and I know that it will touch you just as much as it has touched me for sure. So without further ado, here is my good friend, Tina. So today on the episode, I have a good friend of mine, Tina. Hello, Tina. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Tiffany? Good. I, like I said in the intro, I met Tina through a business course, what you call it, a business course with yeah. Kathy Heller um, called Made to Do This. And there was about 350 of us, I think, in that group. And how it works is they break us out into pods. And Tina was one of my pod mates. And so we met on a weekly basis and with two other people, Des and Craig, and just became good friends through the best of chums, right? Yes. Just through helping each other out through this thing called life. Right. And so Tina and Craig and Des were actually the ones that encouraged me to keep going and just go with this podcast and do it and put it out into the world. So you have a lot to do with that. You know that, right? Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Cause I remember remember the first time I pushed the publish button and I was under the desk in the fetal position, (laughs) scared that people weren't going to like it. So, and you guys encouraged me to keep going. So very grateful for that. And now I am teaching Tina to start her very own podcast and she is my first student. And I am so impressed with how far you've come and her podcast will be launching at the end of November. You want to tell us about that one? Yes. Thank you, Tiffany. And if I can put a plug in for Tiffany, she is an awesome teacher. 
if you want to learn how to podcast. And she'll be coming out with her workshop soon. She takes you through every single little step. And I have told her if she can teach me, she can teach anybody because I'm clueless. So if I can get it, anybody can. But my podcast is called We the People, Our American Story. And this podcast is a series of stories that I share because everybody has an American story. And this is all about immigrants, people that serve in our military, just different types of people, all ages, all walks of life. I am really proud to be an American. I love my country. And Tiffany knows that. And Mm -hmm. so I'm sure just as she's proud Canadian. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's lacking right now. It's really hard. It's a divided country. And so I want to bring some of that good feeling back. And I want people to understand how much good there is in this country. And that's why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, I helped her with her um, trailer and I had goosebumps. Like it was, it's going to be really good. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Thank you. Very proud of you. And yeah, so through working with Tina and being in her pod over those months, I heard some of Tina's story and, and that it's definitely a hard, beautiful journey that you have walked as well. And so I think I'd like to start where you told me about a couple weeks ago, maybe now, about your first marriage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're laughing. It's really laughing. No, We're no. laughing. It, it wasn't laughing at it's the tragic. time. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty tragic, but it's good that I can laugh at you it You can now. laugh now. <laughs> That's right. So I got married... I was married fairly young, 21, which I live in Utah, and that's really not that young here. It's probably a pretty um, average age to get married. And the person that I was dating, I had dated him, it seems like another lifetime ago, because many years have passed since then more than I care to admit to. (laughs) But yeah, so we dated probably for like six months, and I think we were engaged for a year. So it's not like I didn't know this person. Mm-hmm. I knew him really well. I met him at work, which turned out to be a reoccurring <laughs> thing <laughs> for me. So, so, yeah, we were engaged for a very long time, and we got married. We were both very young. And I was working at a hotel in sales. He was working, I think it was some type of roofing company where they would sell shingles. He worked in a warehouse. Mm -hmm. And so things were going okay, I thought. We lived in a small apartment and he, there was a receptionist that was out in the front office and she was struggling. Her, she had a hard time. She was married. Her husband had a brain tumor and couldn't work, and they had a little girl. And my husband felt really bad for her, and I did too. I mean, how awful is that? That's Mm -hmm. awful, right? Awful, yeah. So she needed to make extra money, and in order to do that, she would clean offices at night. And he decided that he was going to help her because he felt really bad, and 
And I thought, I have the sweetest husband in the whole world that he wants to go and help this person. And what else would you think though? Right? (laughs) Like, honestly. Well, I was so naive, you know. You were young, right? Like that is not what you think is happening. So no, anyway. I thought the best. I thought the best. Oh my goodness, I have such an amazing husband who wants to help. <laughs> and in fact, I I went over to their house for dinner, and she did my nails. She knew how to do nails. She was real knew how to do that really well. So she did that, and she seemed fine. I liked her. And so some time had passed. I don't know, and I'm not sure exactly what made him. See, it seems such a long time ago, Tiffany. It doesn't even seem like my life. It Mm -hmm. seems as if it was someone else's life. Mm -hmm. I can remember being in our bedroom and I can't, again, I have no recollection of the conversation, but somehow it came out that he liked this girl. And again, this is how naive I was, okay? Because I said, horrified, well, have you kissed her? (laughs) I was, I, I, I was way too trusting (laughs) and boy, yeah, did he kiss her? He had had kissed her and oh, it got worse from there. Yeah. Uh, I remember we had this little glass ornament that, do you remember in how bur- how um, wedding cakes used to be the huge ones and they had the fountains in oh, them and yeah. the lights and everything? That's what yeah. mine was like. I was married during that time <laughs> where it had the fountain and it had a picture with us that you could see in the mirror and it had a crystal ornament on top. And I remember taking that out and throwing it across the room and smashing it and running out into the parking lot, hoping that he would chase after me. Yeah. And did he? <laughs> He did it. <laughs> and yeah, it got worse because as I found out more about how sick this whole situation was, I found out that he would go over to, my husband would go over to her apartment with her husband, her husband, and her small child there, and they would go into the bedroom together. And her husband would allow this because he was worried about his family after he passed. Mm -hmm. So he didn't think about the family that he was breaking up. Mm -hmm. His only concern was my wife and my child are going to be looked after when I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was. (laughs) And I... Man, I had such little self-confidence that I, it, it blows my mind now. I just clung to him so much. Like, mm-hmm. how can I get you back? How can, and I, I, I can't compete with this. You work eight hours a day with her. You see her on a on daily basis all day. How can I compete with that? Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I just, I clung to him. I wanted him so much to stay with me. And I remember, and is this horrible to say? I remember she had stubble on her face. <laughs> I know that is so horrible, but <laughs> I was trying to yeah. make sense 
of what was happening. happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's horrible and your listeners are going to think I'm an awful person, but I seriously remember. That is a natural thing to think. Double on her face. Yeah. was, it was probably something else or whatever. She had a yeah. skin condition. I don't yeah. know, but it reminded me of stubble. And I'm yeah. not making fun of anybody that has a skin yeah. condition. Yeah, but, but you're wondering what am, what have I done? Yes, that to, makes that makes him go there. Situation. Yeah, the sick situation that he's going into mm-hmm. is so much more appealing than what he has with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and, what happened from there? Oh, uh, we got a divorce. Like, was it like? over like right away. Yeah. Yeah. And once, and once I knew that was the way that it was going, I I wanted to get it over with. Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to get it done. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Did he stay with her? You know what? He's divorced from her now. Oh, really? Mm. And the only reason why I know that is do you ever, this is how sick I am of person. Am I the only one that sometimes you go on Facebook and you look up an old boyfriend or no, whatever, totally and, you hope, and you hope that they have a worse life. You hope that your life is so much better than theirs. So you look them up hoping to find that, yeah, they're really struggling. Isn't that horrible? Or that they've gained weight or whatever. Yes. <laughs> they've lost yes. their hair. Yes. <laughs> that life has not turned out. I really am not a vindictive person. I know you're not. A but little slack for this. That <laughs> was horrible to find out. Yes. So he, yeah, they're, they are not together any longer. Mm-hmm. So then how did that affect your self-confidence and your self-esteem after that? It was horrible, but Tiffany knows it only gets worse because number one, the only thing I found out that divorce is great for is losing weight because <laughs> I could not eat anything. It is, I've had two times in my life where I had no appetite whatsoever. And I think I lived off of half a grilled cheese, a handful of fries and a Diet Coke every day. Whoa. And so everything else was falling apart, but my body looked good. So <laughs> I had that going for me. But do you want me to go on with the next piece yeah, of my story? Yeah, Tiffany? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm still working at this hotel in sales. I was a sales manager. And again, there was a person there that I knew. He was a bellman. And he was, you know, he's the one that goes and takes your luggage and puts it up to your room or whatever. And he was going to school, but he liked me. I knew he liked me. And so when I got divorced, not long after I started dating him. And that went pretty fast too. I can't remember how fast it was. I really, I I don't know if I have a horrible memory or if I've chosen to block it out. (laughs) Again, it it seems as if it was a totally different person. Mm -hmm. But we got married. And I think I told Tiffany this. As I was walking down the aisle in my head over and over again, I had this voice saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. Don't do this. I can't do this. Don't do this. And guess what I did? You did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got married. 
You didn't listen to your intuition. I didn't. And the yeah, I, I, rem, I remember that still to this day. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And maybe it was because my parents were there. His parents were there. His, his family was there. My family was there. What could I do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I got married for the second time. And at this point, I was, what, 23, 24, I think. Mm-hmm. So we got married and, uh, you know, we had really big fights, really big fights, mm-hmm. not anything like hitting or whatever, but we would fight a lot. Mm-hmm. And this came totally out of the blue as well. You get in the picture that I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> and he came home from work one day and said, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. And what? I, I, I couldn't comprehend. This is happening again. Mm-hmm. This is happening again. How does this happen again? This is happening again. Yeah. I was freaked out. I, mm-hmm. I didn't understand that this was exactly what had happened before. Now, I'm pretty sure he didn't have a physical relationship. But I am confident that he had a mental relationship with this girl. Mm-hmm. And he ended up marrying her. Oh, did he? And I've seen him on Facebook. He's still married to her. <laughs> and how but does he look? <laughs> he's bald. He was going bald when we, were, when we were married. He shaved his head. So it actually looks better because he used to do the comb over thing. Yeah. I don't even know what I was thinking, honestly, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. So at that point, here I am, 24 years old, and I have gone through two marriages now. So you're thinking, what is wrong with me there? I must be an impossible person to live with. I must be a horrible, awful person for me to be on the receiving end Mm -hmm. of two divorces, two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't see either one of them coming. So I'm stupid. I'm hard to live with and I'm going to be by myself for the rest of my life because no one else will want me. And that's what you were thinking when you and were I think 24. That's why, I think that's why I married the second person because I was so afraid of being alone. I was terrified of being alone. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I was. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a huge thing. So I'm 24 and I have a lot of baggage already. Mm-hmm. A lot of baggage. Yeah. And um, how far along until you met your current husband? (laughs) So here's the theme again. So I was working at a different hotel in sales. I was a salesperson. And my, not my husband yet, was working at that hotel as well. And he actually, (laughs) this is so funny because he met my second husband a few times. Like nothing had happened. Nothing happened while we were married. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. And in fact, this is, I have to tell you something really funny. The funny thing about it is I thought that we were friends, Michael. That's my husband now, Michael. And I thought we were friends. And I remember because we'd have conversations and he was funny or whatever. And I can't remember what was it we were talking about. There's a lot of, I can't remember, right? I can't remember a lot of things. (laughs) But we were talking about something and I said, so we're friends, right? And he said, no, we're not friends. We're friendly, but we're not friends. So he wanted, 
He wanted to make it perfectly clear that he was not friends with someone else's wife. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so my second husband left. And do I dare admit, I have a pattern and thank heavens it finally worked out. Because I think from the time we first started dating to when we got married, you're going to die it was three months, Tiffany. It was three. Months. Really? It was three months. But look at third but, time. Yes, the third time. time. And it is, uh, so now you can calculate how old I am. Almost 24 years later. Yeah. yeah. So I think this one is going to stick. I think this one's sticking. I got a good feeling. <laughs> and it was his first marriage. So it was, we were 27. And yeah, so we got married my third time. Yeah. And so far, yeah, we're just rolling right along. So what lessons did you learn from the first two that you took into this one? Well, it was hard the first few years. Mm-hmm. And Mike will, tell you, Mike will tell you that, that I had a really hard time. You know how they say that it's the men who don't like to talk and the women are the ones who want to argue and figure things out? That wasn't the case with us. It was reversed. And I know I did this with the first two husbands, is he wanted to talk things out. And when I get upset, I keep it all inside until I explode. Mm -hmm. And then there were times in our marriage in the first few years where maybe I'd go two days without talking to him. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to give in. I wasn't going to be the one to say sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was like that. You would think I would have learned from the first two, but I didn't. So it took me a few years to learn to talk to him when I was angry instead of shutting down, mm-hmm. which is what I like to do. So do you think that's improved over the Oh, yeah. He'll tell you it's improved so much. I still do it a little bit, but not nearly as much. Mm-hmm. We didn't go two days without talking. I, if I'm really mad, I might go an hour or two where I just need to, you know, I need to cool off. Yep. And he doesn't get it because what is it they say that men are like gas stoves and mm-hmm. women are like, what is it? Yeah. And women are like electric ones where it takes longer for it to heat up and cool down. Yeah. Because we're in an argument and when we're done, he's done. Mm-hmm. I'm and I'm going. What are you doing? I'm still mad. I'm still pissed at you. I'm not over this, and so he can understand why I'm not over the situation. I am loving this conversation, but first, a word from my sponsor. In my podcast, you've probably heard me refer to finding your person. I believe in the importance of having someone to connect with, such as a therapist or a counselor, a person who can objectively support you on this crazy journey of life. The team at Simply Counseling Services can help you find that person. They focus on keeping things simple on the path to your healing. They offer locations in both North and South Calgary for in-person appointments as well as virtual sessions. Take the first steps on your path to healing by setting up an appointment. Visit their website at simplycounselingservices.com to learn more. Did you um, hear my episode about the love languages? I don't think I heard episode that Episode eight. I check out the, lo- the five love languages. Okay. It's absolutely intriguing once you figure out what your spouse's or even your kids' 
what their love language is. And like for James, I didn't know what his was. And it ended up being that his is acts of service. I think we've talked about this, Tiffany, actually. I've talked about this with you. This sounds familiar. Yeah. And he, he would get, like, he would shut down completely if I wasn't pulling my weight around the house, Mm. like completely shut down and just give me the silent treatment. Right. Wow. (laughs) And so then when I, when we did this test and we figured out that that's what his number one love language is, that if people help him out or pull their weight or, and it's the same for at his work, if his coworkers pull their weight and then he's much more receptive to them. Um, So it's very interesting for marriages. It's really good for, for my kids, even for knowing what, how they receive things. Right. Mm -hmm. So highly recommend that. one. I will check that out. Yeah. Promise. But I'm so glad to hear that. Mike is the one. He puts up with me. So, yeah. And you put up with him too. I do. Both. Yeah, I do. It's both for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, okay. So then the next thing that you told me about is a couple of very big losses that you've had in your life. And I'm just wondering if you are comfortable sharing those. Yeah, so you think that uh, everything is fine and dandy for the next 23 years, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, the thing is, it's hard for me. I don't mind sharing. I really don't. The mm-hmm. only thing that I hate that I, I don't want people to think, oh, you know, she's had, I get that everybody has had their crap. Mm-hmm. And some people, and I've had some crap. I've had some crap, but I know that there are people who have had bigger crap. So I, it's, it's hard because I do want to share because I think it's important, but also I don't want anybody to assume that I think that I've had more crap than others. No. But I've had a little bit of crap. So the thing, the thing just to interrupt is you've had your crap. I've had my crap, but just own your talking, crap. Talking <laughs> about your crap <laughs> <Yeah>. gives people <laughs> some sort of comfort just to know that like even if it's one thing that you say that yeah. they've experienced, it just gives them the comfort that they're not alone. Right. Yeah. So everybody's dealing with it. So let's hear what you, what. All you right. Know. I will try to condense this all. So Michael and I, we got married at 27, immediately tried to have kids to get pregnant. Couldn't do it. Came to find out that I, we were both defective. Mm-hmm. I have something called corpus luteal phase defect, which means that I slough off my pregnancies. And so I could have been pregnant many times. And he said, if you ever had a heavy menstrual cycle, you're probably sloughing off a pregnancy or whatever. So it went years. Like every year we'd get together at Mike's parents' house and they do Thanksgiving goals, which is really weird. And every year I'd say, this is the year I'm going to have kids. I'm going to get pregnant next year, <laughs> come back. So this went on. It was probably about four years. And then, so Mike and I were married in 1997. Okay. And then in 2001, my older sister, Susan, who's five years older than me, she got pregnant and we were real excited. She had a teenage son from a previous marriage and now she was pregnant. So this was, I remember the phone call. She was at work and she called me and she said, Tina, they want me to come in. She had gone in because she thought that she had some clogged milk ducts. That's what her husband thought it was too. 
So uh, they called her at work and said, no, you've got, you have breast cancer. We need you to come in. So she went in at this time, she was probably three months pregnant, four months pregnant or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she went in, come to find out she did have breast cancer. And by the time they found it, it had already uh, spread. So she carried this baby full term. Her husband worked a lot. He would travel a lot. He was gone at least every week for a few days. And so she would need help. This is what's really weird. Is about a year before I had quit working. Mm -hmm. My husband knew I wanted to go to school because I had not finished my college education and I always regretted it. So he had told me, this is the way things work. And I think Tiffany's probably a big believer and there are no coincidences. So a year before I had quit work and I've been going to school. And so as Susan became more pregnant, she needed more help. So I would go with her uh, up to here in Utah. One of the big cancer centers is the Huntsman Cancer Center. So I would go up with her. And, oh my gosh, I felt like I was there for every bad diagnosis that she would get. We were there one time and they said, okay, we need you to come to this room. And she turned to me and said, it's never good news when they want you to go in that room. Mm -hmm. So she had a breast removed, but they were clear to tell her that it was not moved to, removed to save her life. It wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. She's, it, it was just to relieve her pain because it was causing her a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So here's my poor sister. And to put a little bit of humor into it though, there was one time where she told me, she's like, Tina, I just feel so ugly. And I told my dad that my dad, bless his heart, only saw the beauty in her. And he would, he said, well, why does she feel ugly? I don't get that. And like, dad, <laughs> she has a bald head. Yeah. She is, has one boob missing and she's nine months pregnant. She feels really <laughs> ugly, <laughs> but he just couldn't get it. And my dad yeah. was so sweet because he never knew what to do. And he would go outside their house. And she would say in the morning, they would look out the window mm-hmm. and he would just be pacing around the yard. And I'll tell you why that makes me emotional in a minute. Mm-hmm. He would just be pacing in the yard mm-hmm. because it was the only thing he knew how to do to um, give her comfort. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time with Susan because her husband traveled so much. And especially after uh, Jordan was born. So mm-hmm. my sister went through chemo. She went through radiation. And they waited as long as they could. And Jordan was born at 33 weeks. And she was three pounds, eight ounces. But other than that, she was absolutely perfect. Wow. In fact, the nurses called her the star in the nursery. They put a little bow in her hair. And when she came home, they had a big sign on the door that neighbors put, call heaven an angel is missing. Mm -hmm. But she had a little bit of oxygen problems, but she was a miracle. Mm -hmm. She came home and was perfect, but Jim still had to travel. Mm-hmm. So I would spend a lot of time with Susan. We got to spend a lot of time together. And she was, because I know Tiffany will appreciate this, and we've discussed this before, that she really felt my grandma. My grandma had passed away many years before, and she felt my grandma near her all the time. Mm-hmm. And that gave her comfort. But she was still scared. In fact, I can remember being in her bathroom and just finding her. And she was in the corner, like in a ball. Mm-hmm. And she was rocking back and forth, back and forth. And she mm-hmm. said, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to die. Yeah. And that was hard. Yeah. And she fought as hard as she could, but eventually it was in her brain. It was in her bones. It was in her liver. And so towards the end, we had to put the hospital bed in her room Mm -hmm. or actually in the living room. They had, her son was graduating from high school that year. So they did a special graduation for him because she wasn't going to make it. Mm -hmm. But can I tell you in the middle of this, okay, Jordan was born, Susan got diagnosed in March of 2001. Jordan was born in July, July 9th, September. Okay. So Susan's six, September, my mom starts having really bad stomach aches. Mm -hmm. So she goes to the hospital. They open her up to do exploratory surgery. They close her right back up because she is full of cancer. She has colon cancer and she's, there's just too much. They close her back up. There's nothing they can do. So I think of Susan a lot because Susan was going through cancer at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jordan, I remember they, she was getting christened or baptized. I think, I'm sorry, I'm not Lutheran. It was Lutheran. Mm-hmm. And so she was in a pretty little dress. They brought her to the hospital and laid her with my mom. Mm-hmm. But my mom never made it out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. She died three weeks after diagnosis. And so Susan was still fighting. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I think what was going through her head because she came to the funeral and For going, mom. yeah, and going, is this going to be me? Mm-hmm. And it was because seven months later, after my mom died, Susan passed away. So, and Tiffany, here's a wahoo, uh, one of your woohoo moments. Okay. Woo woo. I didn't even think about this until after I scheduled this. Do you know what today is? It's my mom's birthday today. I have goosebumps. And let me tell you, this this so oh, crazy. Tina and I have been on many Zoom calls together, and one of them in particular, I was like head to toe, like vibrating, and I am again now. So I know, and I what I mean, tingling, that means that I know that there is spirits around, and they've been doing it again since you started talking about this. So yeah. So I it is your mom's birthday. birthday. My mom should be 81 today, but she died when she was 61 because she never had a colonoscopy. So here is my PSA get colonoscopy. My sister, unfortunately, uh, this is the thing too I need to say is I remember when I was young going to the doctor, do you have a history of breast cancer in your family? Nope. Do you have a history of colon cancer? Nope. Within one year that all that changed. Mm -hmm. My sister was 37 years old when she died. 37. 37. So I, I was kind of like a nanny for Jordan and until she was almost a year old. And then she moved, she and Jim moved back to Illinois to be with his family, which was really hard. And here's the other weird thing. After Susan passed away, Mike and I have been trying to get pregnant for five years We had turned adoption papers in through our church. Nothing. Within months after Susan passed away, I got pregnant. We were given less than a 2% chance of having children. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you, I went on to have three. I have three. Mm -hmm. 
without any help. We had done artificial insemination. It not worked. Mm-hmm. But I went on to have Susie, Susan, Eric, and Sydney. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so everything is good. We go on. Life is great. My dad had an enlarged heart. And uh, in 2014, it started getting really bad. And it was a constant battle between his kidneys, water gain, and the medicine that they would put him on. And so he passed away August 30th, 2014. And it was was hard, but I was happy for him because I know he missed my mom. He missed Mm -hmm. her so much. He got... He was, he got remarried, but she was more of like a companion. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. so lonely. He would say that all the time. Oh, Tina, I miss your mom so much. Yeah. So he passed away and everything's going well again. And then in 2016, my little sister calls me and says, what does a breast infection look like? I don't know. She said, I think I have a breast infection. And so I need, I need to go to the doctor. Will you go with me? So I went with her. And when I saw her breast, I was so pissed off. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. so pissed off because mm-hmm. I knew. It was huge. It was purple. It was bruised. And she was so oblivious. She just looked at the doctor and said, so this is what infections look like, right? Cancer doesn't look like this. And the doctor said, uh, no, some cancers look like this. Mm-hmm. And so it turned out that my little sister who she would have been 39, I think. Yeah, she would have been 39 or 38. Turned out she had breast cancer as well. And she was married and had two very small children. And she fought really hard. But she passed away um, June 20th, 2017, because it had spread through her too. It was hard the last few days. Mm-hmm. It was hard. She had, um, she would have seizures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they had the hospital bed set up in uh, the living room, but she would have seizures. The last few days. That was hard mm-hmm. because it was in the outside of the brain. I can't remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, what do you do? I was, it was hard. I, but can I tell you, I, I was not in the room when my mom died, but I was in the room with both of my sisters and my dad. And your dad. And if you have any faith at all in an afterlife, it, it, I don't, have you ever been in a room when nope. someone's passed, Tiffany? No. no. You, you're, you, there are people in the room who you can't see. Mm-hmm. I I believe that. I can guarantee you. My faith teaches that what we call the veil is very thin. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like the room, the room was always really crowded. There's a special feeling there. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to see somebody die, but I -hmm. tell people and they never understand until they go through it themselves. It's a really special time to be in a room when someone passes. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. But peaceful? is it peaceful or how? Oh yeah, how it? it's yeah. really it's sad. There's lots of tears, but it's a different kind of sad. I don't even know how to describe it. It's mm-hmm. it's a different kind of sad. I miss them. Oh, I miss them so so much. Mm-hmm. My sister and I, we we became so close, and you regret all the things that you didn't do or say, or you weren't nicer, and mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I miss them so much, but I have total faith that they're together mm-hmm. and that they're happy and mm-hmm. that they miss us. But I also believe that they're, they play an integral part of our life still. Mm-hmm. And cancer is, cancer is scary to me. And that's where the last part of my story comes in. Cancer is really scary to me. It's breast cancer, especially, but cancer in my family means um, you hurt, you get sick, and then you die. And I know that's awful. And there are people out there who had family members have cancer and they they survive and they're good and they're healthy, but that has not been my case. Yeah, that's not been your reality. No, it's been so. Every mammogram that I went to, I was absolutely terrified. Mm-hmm. The procedure itself is no big deal. I don't care. But the waiting, I was sure that I would walk in there and they would tell me, you know, you've got three months to live. I was mm-hmm. sure that would happen. And I know some of you are wondering, well, did you get tested for a gene? They can't find a gene. This is what's really frustrating is they can't find a gene. Am I, do I think there's a gene? Absolutely. But who knows what kind of a gene? It could be years before they discover it. But because of my gene, uh, because of the possibility, well, not because of the gene, sorry, because I have that much cancer in my family, I have a 60% chance of getting breast cancer in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. So at first I was doing uh, breast MRIs, I do a breast MRI, and then six months later, I get a mammogram. And six months later, I get a breast MRI. I'm like, I can't do this because I was a basket case. I would come home, and I would sit on the couch for two days until I got the results because I don't want to do anything. What, what good does it do for me to do anything or I'm going to die? Mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. And so after a lot of prayer and knowing that this was the best decision, I opted for a double mastectomy, mm-hmm. which I had... April 6, 2019, I had that. And it was the best decision I ever made. I have a really hard time finding answers to prayers for me. But mm-hmm. that was so obvious to me because I felt such peace. Mm-hmm. I was not scared. Even the day of the surgery, I was not nervous. Mm-hmm. And I went and had that double mastectomy. And there are a few things that I don't like. My stomach is completely numb or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have no nipples, but I don't really care. Because <laughs> 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 my boobs were too saggy from feeding <laughs> breastfeeding kids. And so it would have been in the wrong place. So they took those off. <laughs> but I don't care. Um, yeah. You know, so I had the, I had, I was under the, I was under the knife, so to speak, for like eight hours because I had reconstruction done at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, so that's all my stuff. Wow. And um, so the double mastect, that was a year and a half ago. It's a year and a half ago. And so there's no chance of you getting it, right? Like a 1% chance. 1% chance They can't rule it all out because if there was some tissue they missed or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I went from 60% to 1%. I can live with that. And I don't have to have another mammogram and I don't have to have another MRI for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. 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 So can we back up to the part where your sister, because like I've had mammograms, I've done all of that, but I haven't known personally anybody with breast cancer so what did it look like like it's purple it was purple it, this is the thing with why I was mad because she did not have a mammogram that year she skipped mm-hmm. I don't want to tell I don't know I hate saying things that will freak people out because this well is, no because this is like it, okay, well <laughs> I need to know <laughs> hey this is scary so yeah. 
I hate even saying it because I don't want to put things in people's heads. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was big. It was swollen. It was purple. And Rebecca, I have to tell you about Rebecca. The best way that I can describe Rebecca is she was not meant for this world. I mean, like she was, I believe she mm-hmm. had to come here and whatever. Mm-hmm. She was very naive about a lot of things. And like my, I, I think she had some type of disability that was never diagnosed. Things did not come easy for her. Mm-hmm. And, but this, oh gosh, see, I hate it. This is the scary thing. And I don't mm-hmm. want to freak people out is that they knew Rebecca had cancer after it was determined that she for sure had cancer. Mm-hmm. Can you tell how much I'm struggling to say this? Because I, ugh, it was not picked up on the MRI or the mammogram. And they knew that she had cancer. Let's say again. So, <laughs> <laughs> And she had inflammatory breast cancer too. Let me, okay. let me say that, which is very hard to spot. Okay. So they knew that she had cancer because I think they'd taken a biopsy or whatever. Yeah. But according to the mammogram and the MRI. It didn't show anything. It didn't show up. Okay. And that was scary for me too, because I have very dense breasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you've, have you ever heard that it's like trying to find a snowball in a blizzard? Like yeah. that's really, oh, okay. That's, that's great. <laughs> because awesome. I would, I would go get my mammograms and then I'd come home and I'd be okay for about a day. And then I think. Oh, I'm sure they missed something. Mm-hmm. They probably missed something. Mm-hmm. I think though, like, to be honest with you, I think people think that with all of the tests that they get, right? Like, yeah, because tests can't be a hundred percent perfect. Yeah. And so I think everybody has that fear, even if it's not breast cancer, right? Yeah. Well, colon cancer so. doesn't scare me as much with like with my mom. I go every five years. That's so controllable. I think breast cancer scares me because it's so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. It's so freaking unpredictable. Well, yeah. And and the recovery is so unpredictable too. Yeah. Like and some I've, people can just recover nicely from it and others like it just it's over. I and again I've I've seen what cancer does to people and it it, it scares the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to have to deal with it. And I think that was very brave of you to do that. Well, you know, as a side note here, I have two sisters. They're still living, an older sister and a younger sister. And this is, this, I totally can't believe, but okay, whatever. They've chosen not to do it. Mm -hmm. Which I'm going, what are you doing? But they feel comfortable. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And do they get regular checkups? Yes. Yeah. I hope so. I think so. Okay, good. Well, yeah, when you first told me this story, my heart was so <laughs> sad and you've been through it, right? Um, but we all have, right? But we all have. But the thing that I took away from it, a few things, um, but the main thing is I am diligent about getting my <laughs> tests done all the time now. And I've booked an appointment since you told me this story. Um, If I can do that, that is great. If I can convince you to go. Yay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not afraid of doing them, but it's, you know, when you put things off and you just get busy and life gets busy, just book your appointments, people. Right. Just your appointments. Please do not put it off. That's how people die. That's how people die. And 
Yeah. So that is something that I learned from you. And just, you can take matters into your own hands to protect your own health as well. And that's Mm -hmm. what you did. So. And I feel, should I say, I feel a huge load off my chest. (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) Quite literally. Can I ask something personal? Did you get um, some boobs put back? Yeah, I. They took it from my tummy. Oh, I had a tummy tuck at the same time. See, I've got them. Wow, girlfriend. Yeah, I had a lot of tummy there. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was really disappointed, which I should tell you, which is funny because I had really big boobs before and I was hoping they would be smaller but I'm a size d again oh man I was hoping for a c but I'm up to a d oh that's what it was I I put on a c bra once I could wear them because you can't wear bras for I'm like this is too small I have too much cleavage hanging out oh crap (laughs) I know lots of people lots of women are hoping for bigger ones I was hoping for smaller ones but yeah they just took it And it sounds really scary and really painful, but can I tell you that it was not, they Uh give you nerve blockers and Uh this, my stomach is completely numb. Like even to this day, I cannot feel it. What? I can't feel it. I've got a section that I can't feel. I've got a big line going across from where they cut me open. Yeah. And in fact, when I came home from the hospital, I had no narcotics, oh, which I hate narcotics. The worst part of the whole thing was I was throwing up for three days in the hospital Yeah, because narcotics are awful. I hate them. I'd rather deal with the pain, but the pain level for me never got above a four. Really? And I know a lot of people now are starting to do this more than the implants because it seems like there are problems with the implants rather than just taking it from your body. Yeah. yeah. So it's anybody that does, it's called a deep, D-I-E-P, uh-huh. an immediate construction. Yeah. Reconstruction, I recommend it. It really, especially if you don't get nauseous. Yeah. I don't want to say it was a walk in the park, but it's really not as scary as you think it is. Yeah. Wow. Well, I hope I no, never have to actually I'm have sure one, but you won't. Just get your tests done, people. That's right. Colonoscopy and your mammograms. And a mole check. I have to have that done too. And so I'm stupid and went tanning when I was younger. <laughs> that is another one. And the... Um, Gyna- Ecological. Yeah. And no, what's the the man one? Uh-oh. The prostate? The prostate. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. The prostate. And as you get older, they're just more and more. My husband says, you're at the, you're at the doctors all the time. And I said, well, that's because you never go. <laughs> exactly. Um, I also want to have my listeners know what you are doing with Junior American Scholar. Oh, that's so sweet. Tina is amazing. So let me back up. In this pod that we were in, we were introducing our business ideas or what we wanted to make our million dollars this year, right, Tina? Uh That was our goal, right? A million each? And I'm still waiting for that. (laughs) Me too. I'm about a million short. (laughs) I'm about... Yeah, I'm about a million and 10,000 short. Ooh, okay. <laughs> That's not good. No. It's even worse. Um, so um, Tina's idea, as soon as I heard it, I was like, this, people need this. And I know they need it. So I want you to tell us all about it. So Junior American Scholar is a website that caters to kindergarten through 12th grade students. And what I do is I showcase uh, scholarships and contests and other college funding opportunities for 
students in this age group because I found that most scholarships that you find out on the World Wide Web are for college students, and it's really hard to find them too. So I authenticate all of them and put them on my website. And I'm also going to start doing some classes here on scholarships about how to streamline the process and how to write award-winning scholarship essays. And I'm going to be putting them up in the next week or so that you can get on my website as well. And what is that website? It is junioramericanscholar.com. And yeah, I've been on her website a few times and and you do some for Canada as well. Is that correct? Yes, there's a few for Canada. But yeah, I, I am in America and most of them are for American students. But the thing is too, once I put up those scholarship classes, those are going to be excellent for anyone because I know how it just seems overwhelming. And I'm going to tell you how to make it not be so overwhelming. And I am going to teach you how to write a great scholarship. And my friends in Canadian and Canada in Canada and Canada can do that too. Yes, we can. And what a time that people could use this right now with the the economy and people losing their jobs and all of that stuff, right? Like exactly. This is when people could really use this money that is quite literally just sitting there <laughs> and not being used. And people just don't know about them or they're right. not they're not being able to find the information or they just feel lost when it comes Unfortunately, to the, the schools are woefully amiss and lacking in giving the scholarship opportunities to students. I I find even teachers have no clue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. It is. So the more that we can get Junior American Scholar out into the world, the better. And us Canadian folk, we (laughs) have some options too, right, Tina? Yes. Yes. Well, Tina, I just want you to know that... I am so grateful that you landed into my pod. Me, you, Des, and Craig had so many laughs on our Friday calls. And I miss that. Like, I really do. It was 12 weeks of, well, we went a little bit longer than 12 weeks. But I I still see you. I talk to Craig all the time and you, but I never talk to Desiree. Yeah, I. she just sent me a voice message yesterday. You know what? Yesterday, yeah. when I was on with Craig, he yeah. said that she sent him one too, and she sent me one. So she must have been thinking about she her pod. She was thinking of our pod. Yes. Oh, that's so nice. So anyway, I am grateful for you. I'm grateful um, just for our friendship, but I'm grateful that you've let me be your podcast teacher and letting me figure this out podcast course out. (laughs) You're my guinea pig. Oh, I love being your guinea pig. You are a great guinea pig. And yeah, I'm just grateful that you decided to come on my podcast. Thank you. What are you grateful for today? Well, since America's Thanksgiving is a week away, there's much to be grateful for, even though it's a little turbulent right now, right? Yeah. But I am so grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my faith. I'm grateful for my country, mm-hmm. and I am grateful for Tiffany for letting <laughs> me be her guinea pig and <laughs> being her friend. She is 
So wonderful and awesome. I hear people talk about you all the time in Made to Do This. If I still go on there, there's all, oh, yes, I know Tiffany. So (laughs) she is well-liked by many people. So much to be grateful for. Thank you. I am super grateful that you came on my show. And everybody, go and check out Junior American Scholar and the podcast. We the People, Our American Story. The trailer is up on Apple. And, and Tiffany's going to help me to share it on all the other platforms. Exactly. And it will be out by the end of November. Yep. Right? Yep. So exciting. Lots of work to do. Lots of work. Well, thanks, Tina. You're welcome. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Trust me. I know from personal experience that the thought of it can make you just shut down that idea immediately. Where do I even begin? What equipment do I need? Will people even care what I have to say? What if I run out of things to say? The list of questions goes on and on. I had the questions too, so don't worry. And now that I've done the work and I'm still learning every day, I am ready to teach others that they can do it too, and it doesn't have to be scary. I will be sharing more info over the next month on when my course will be launching, so please stay tuned. And if you have any specific topics you'd like to see covered in this course, please feel free to send me a DM and I'll be sure to consider it. If you want to use your voice to entertain, educate, or inspire others, you will definitely be interested in the course that I am building. It will have so much great content and have you starting your podcast in no time. Believe me when I say this, people want to hear what you have to say. So let's find your voice together and start your own podcast. Well, that is a wrap for another episode of Hard Beautiful Journey. Please be sure and come back next time. And until then, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Ms. Tiff Vaughn and Hard Beautiful Journey, as well as my website, tiffanyvaughn.ca. Until next time, be kind and stay well. Bye-bye.